Welcome to the Father's House OC Podcast. We come to you with weekly sermons from our service in Huntington Beach, California. For more information about Father's House and more sermons like these, please visit fathershouseoc.org. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. We just felt it's really important for everyone to get a real heart for um, what is happening in our own backyard. And it is just really, uh, it's really awesome to have the again, over 20 churches that are participating in this. And um, when the body of Christ comes together in unity with the purpose of just spreading the gospel, um, I think that is a, a powerful thing. And um, what I wanted to, to speak on this morning um, really has, has to do a little bit with, with um, opening up the space for the gospel to be able to be preached without having um, these other opposing um, spirits or thoughts that are kind of getting in the way. And so um, as you guys, you know, been going through this season, uh, just as I have too, there's obviously been a lot of um, tension um, in our country, in our state, in everywhere, right? And what I wanted to this morning is I, I just really wanted to um, take a, like a direct like step into speaking to that racial tension and political tension that we are in right now. And I know I'm walking into a minefield uh, when I do that, and that there is a lot of uh, places where, um, you know, I could get blown up, but I wanted to uh, just go after that. I wanted to start right now just in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. I just want to read through scripture here and to kind of set us up here. But here Paul is speaking, and he says, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this, his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I, sit, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And what I really want to draw out of that is that Paul opposed Peter. And, and the reason he said is because he was not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. And so in this situation, what started happening is that there was a um, Peter. So you think about who, who was Peter? Peter was a person who Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on Peter, on you, right? And so he, he's a good person. Peter's a good person. He's a good Christian. He has solid foundation in Jesus, right, of anyone else. And yet he has let, a, I would say maybe like a spirit of religion or um, there's this he had pressure to act not in line with the gospel because of other people that were coming in and they're causing him to act differently towards people with a different religious background or even different ethnicity, right? And so what I want to go after is that realizing that um, each one of us, we have the potential to be drifted away from the purity of the gospel and, and be, um, be caught up in a spirit of division, a spirit of, of different things. Does that make sense to you guys? And so um, what I want to do this morning, I had, I had this picture of, uh, as I was preparing, I had this picture of this balloon and trying to pop this balloon. And what you needed to pop, if you just try to hit the balloon, like, you know, you just hit it, it's not going to pop. You need something very sharp, pointy, and just kind of go right at it and, and pop it. And what I believe is that... I because there's so much tension and there's so much stuff going on, I believe it's so even more important than, than anything else to let the word of the Lord speak directly into this. And so this morning, I don't want to bring you my opinion on current events, um, but I do want to bring what the word of the Lord has to say about current events. That makes sense to you. And so, um, you know, if Jesus was around today, what would his Facebook post look like? Like, what would he be um, posting on? Um, we don't know for sure, 
but we do know what the word of the Lord says about things. And so it would probably be in line with this. And what I want to go, if, you, if again, we go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I just want to kind of hit on this thing of we want to see what the word of the Lord has to say. And it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So my prayer this morning is, Father, we pray that your word would would be uh, piercing our soul and spirit and that it would discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And so this morning, that's, that's what I'm going after. I'm, so I'm, I'm going in and I want to just go after what the word of the Lord says. Now, before we start that, I do want to, I have a little family disclaimer. Um, and even though I, I don't want to bring you my opinion, um, I, it's, it's, uh, Undoubtedly, my opinion will be mixed in with my interpretation of Scripture. Right? That's just what happens when we, we see Scripture, we read it. We all have our own lens that we receive things and we speak through. So in, in culture, there's, there's probably there, there's this, uh, this way that people act and believe in, and it's that you're not going to belong to me unless you believe and behave the way I believe and behave. And so if you believe what I believe, you behave the way I behave, then you can belong to me. And that is opposite of what we have in the church. So uh, we don't have time to go over this. It's a scripture. There's a lot of scripture about the church of God is a family, right? We're, we're a family. That's one of the values of Father's house is that the church is family. And so in, in, the, in the, the church, um, so when, when you have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the family of God, so you, you put your your faith in Jesus and your salvation in Jesus, and, and that is solid, right? Then you belong to the family, and now you don't have to believe and behave to belong, you just belong first. And so that is where we're starting from. And so my whole point in that is that if you believe something different than what I believe, that is totally fine. Because that, that doesn't mean you don't belong in the church, that just means that now we have, we're, we're a family member who has a little bit of something that we can talk about, we can discuss, um, and, and that would be great. I, I think discussion is great. Um, Facebook post is probably not the best place to have a deep conversation with someone. Um, but that's what we want to go. So we're starting as family. We belong first. If we believe differently, that's fine. But I want to go after what does the word of the Lord say? And let's let the, the word of the Lord speak to us directly. And so this morning we're reading out of Romans chapter 12 and 13. And I just want to go after that right away. And I'm, I know I'm a little short on time, um, so I will try to speed up because I have about two hours worth of uh, content here. But ha ha ha. Um, all right. So let's get, I'm just going to go to Romans 12, verse 2. And right now I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. Um, and again, the Passion Translation is a devotional translation, so it takes the the author, or not the, 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 what do you call them, the translators, um, they've taken what they've studied and they've tried to take the meaning of that verse and, and put the meaning in. So it's not word for word, but it's the meaning behind it, right? So if you're going to do a word study, you choose a different translation. I think the way that he lays this out is perfect for understanding the, the time that we're in right now. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And what I love about this is that it says to stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. So my question that comes in is how do I know what opinions of my culture I am imitating? How, how do I know that I'm not, um, that I am not just imitating the, the opinions of my culture and not imitating the word of the Lord or the kingdom of heaven? And, you know, there's, and, and again, I'm going to just speak, we're speaking directly into like racial issues and, and political issues. Um, you know, Kahan and I, we're, we're foster parents 
and we have to do training um, every year that that foster parents have to do. And just about a, I don't know, it's about a month ago, kind of right when all of this tension stuff started coming up, um, we had to do this training online, and it was it was about um, implicit bias and cultural competency. And so it was like perfect timing for what was going on. And it was a it was an amazing. For me, I took a lot of things out of it. Like sometimes those trainings are kind of like, eh, nothing much coming out. But um, I took so much out of this. And it was from a, the, the guy teaching was actually a pastor who was also, he's also a psychologist and he, he's speaking to um, the public defenders in LA County. So attorneys in LA County who are public defenders and it's their training on implicit bias and what that means. And so um, if you don't know what implicit bias is, I'm just going to have a little little discussion here. Um, implicit bias is just biases that we have uh, about people or people groups with that we don't even necessarily know that we have them. And, and the thing is, um, all of us have implicit bias. We all have bias. And if, if you don't think you do, if you're like, you know, the perfect Christian, I don't have any bias against anybody. I want to just, just picture this scenario with me. So picture in your head, I'm sitting in my hospital bed, and then the nurse comes in and uh, is helping me with, with something. Now, in your head, when you pictured that nurse, was it male or female? Most likely you pictured the nurse as female. Now, that is because of your bias. When I say nurse, you might think female. Um, is it because you believe that guys cannot be nurses? Do you have this belief about that? Not necessarily. And what's so interesting about bias is that it has nothing to do with our, this is what came out of the training, which I think was amazing. It has nothing to do with our beliefs or our character. It has everything to do with the exposure that we've had. So um, the reason why, maybe you didn't think, if you didn't think female, it's because you've had this exposure of a lot of different nurses, right? So when I say nurse, your exposure has been female, right? And you can go that with, with a lot of other things. And so um, and then you can take that implicit bias into races and everything like that. But what I want to do right now is that for us to really examine um, and, and seriously evaluate and examine our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to examine us and the word of the Lord to examine us to see if what has shaped our minds, some, some beliefs that we have that have shaped our minds um, are maybe not maybe are more reflective of the culture, the exposure that we've gotten from our culture, and not necessarily what the word of the Lord says about things. Um, you know, I just started out like Peter, Peter had this issue. He, he had Jewish people that, that came and he was, he was all like gung-ho for, yeah, the gospel is for Gentiles. But then, then when the Jewish people came along, he started to withdraw and not eat with them. And, and so even him, he had, he had to confront this, this issue that he had, right? And so it would be um, prideful of us not to assume that we have something that we need to evaluate in ourselves right now. Um, another thing, just as before we go into Romans even more, um, if you look back through history, this is what's kind of, I wouldn't say exciting, but um, it, it, you, you got to realize what's going on is that the, these periods of, of racial tension that we have right now, a lot of times in history um, are paired with great revivals. And, and what I want to, I, I just want to take a couple examples here. Um, the Azusa Street Revival, it's in 1906. You guys might know about it. it. It's a revival that started a lot of denominations of what we know right now. Um, the, the Azusa Street Revival was started led by William Seymour. He was a blind in one eye, African-American man, um, and here's, here's what happened. So he was, he was in, a, in a school in Texas, um, like a seminary type school, and he got called out to California before he finished even his school. He's going to come out for a month um, and speak at some churches, and that, that's how this whole revival started. But um, in Texas, the, the Jim Crow laws were in effect back then, and he was, in order for them to comply with the Jim Crow laws, they, he did, was not even allowed to sit in the classroom with the other students. So what they did is that they had him sit in the classroom next door with the door open so he could listen. So if <laughs> there was racial tension going on back then. And when he came in and, and, 
and people started to gather here in Southern California and people of all different races. It was, it was, there was racial issues going on. And in the midst of that, the, the, the spirit moved, right? If you look at the, the Jesus movement, like a lot of you guys lived through that. And um, so I don't need to speak to you, but the 1960s, late 60s, early 70s were on the tail of the civil rights movement and, and um, Martin Luther King assassination. And there's so much racial tension in that period. And then we see this great move of the Lord um, going on. And so what I, I all that to say is that um, is that because just because there's a lot of issues going on, that doesn't mean that we should be afraid or taken back by it, but we should press in even more because now the Holy Spirit has people's hearts open to see the gospel because now it's kind of like the, the mask has been taken off and we think everything's fine in the world and we realize, hey, you know what? We actually have deep issues that we need Jesus for. So let's go. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go after this a little bit. But um, so in this in this whole thing too, I feel like there's there's a, when I say a spirit of division, it, it's so prominent right now. And what that does is that it, if we get a belief in our head that is not the truth, then we're led astray, right? And so right now what I want to do that is replace any lies or anything that I have in my heart and, and see if, my, if, uh, if I need correction myself here. And so we're going to go to Romans 12. We're going to start in verse 9. You can read through verse uh, chapter 12. There's so much good in there. It talks about using your gifts. Um, and now verse 9 here. This is where we get into the meat of it. It says, the Passion Translation, Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. You know what's... Uh, this is, I think this is where it all, like, we could stop here, and this is, this would speak directly to it. It says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. And so when you get down to the, the heart of, of the value of the kingdom, of what the Father is, it says that our Father is love, right? And so God's highest value is love. And, and so as a Christian, as a believer, I think we should always be um, examining, as it says right here, let the inner movement of our heart always be to love. And so what I want to do, I, I love doing this sometimes, whenever it says love, like let the inner movement of your heart be love, well, we want to say, what does that really mean? Like, what does that look like? So if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the verse about love, and let's replace, I'm going to replace where it says Love, like love is patient, love is kind. And I'm going to replace let the, the, your heart be, the inner movement of your heart. And so when it says let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another, what it means is let your heart be patient, let your heart be kind, let it not be envious, let your heart not boast, let your heart not be proud, let your heart not be rude or self-seeking, let your heart not easily be angered, don't let your heart keep records of wrong. That your heart would not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. Let your heart always protect, always trust. Let your heart always hope and always persevere. And so, as, as believers, as Christians, I believe that we need, this is the call of, of what the Father would have us do right now, is to approach everything with the inner movement of our heart in love, Right? So let's move on. We're going to, there's a lot of places we could stop here, but I just want to get to a few points here. It says, verse 10, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. So there we go, as a family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Um, we could go there, but I'm going to keep going, guys. That is amazing. Just try to outdo each other with respect and honor. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. 
Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Now, this is, this is a hard one, and this, this is where it gets to, the, to really the heart of the matter, is that as a, um, as a believer here, it says, bless those who reject and persecute you. So if you feel that, you're, that whatever your rights or whatever, um, me as a person, and we're going to government, if government's like opposing me or whatever, but any person that comes in opposition to me, my, my, my response from the gospel is to bless them. And, and that's so much easier said than done. But um, I need to continually examine my heart and see if I am reflecting to them the opinions of the culture or am I reflecting to them the opinions of the Father and what the Father has for that person. Verse 15, it says, Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. So, the other translation says to mourn with those who mourn. And, and this, is, this is a passage that really, I think it really speaks directly to what our call as a church right now, um, and I mean Father's house, individuals, church at large, but to really take this verse at heart here, and it says to, to mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who grieve, right? And so right now, as we look at what's going on in our culture, um, that I, I think it's safe to say that there's a group of people who are mourning right now, who are grieving, right? And and it looks it looks a, a, um, it might you know might, you might not like the way it looks, you might not like the things that have attached to it, but I think that the reality we're going to go into this in a second is realizing that there is a group of people who are mourning, and so that our call as a church is to mourn with those who mourn, right? And it says. You know, so there's a lot of African-American people right now, black people, whatever you want to, um, whatever you want to say is um, that there are past and present injustices that they feel, right? Um, and maybe you don't believe the outcry is valid or whatever it is, but regardless of what you think, according to this verse, our call is to mourn with those who mourn. It doesn't say mourn with those who you agree with their mourning. It says to mourn with those who mourn, grieve with those who grieve. And so um, another thing is if you look in, in James 1, 9, this is so important. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And, and so this principle comes out of this is that our call as a church, as a believer, is to seek first to understand. So if, if, you, if we see people right now that are mourning, that have issue, and I don't have that issue, or I don't see it, it is, I, I believe that if I just tell them why I don't have that issue, I'm reflecting the opinions of the culture. When here in the scripture it says, I should mourn with those who mourn, and it says in James that I should be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry, that, that he's saying, you know what, why don't you sit back and listen for a second, and try to understand. And so right now, I believe the church as a whole and individually, we have the opportunity to be quick to listen to a, a, the pain of a people group. You might not see it. You might not feel it. You might not believe it. You might, all those are maybe some excuses, but it doesn't excuse you and me from listening and seeking to understand our neighbor who is mourning right? It says, love your neighbor as yourself. How can I love someone when I don't understand what they're going through? And so, um, you know, and I understand that there's a lot of, um, it's hard this because, again, I, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit, uh, spirit uh, principalities and all the authorities in, in heaven. So there's, there's a spiritual war going on too. I totally understand that. And because of that, that there, there is a true, like there's a true grieving going on in, in the, um, in the African American culture right now, in, in the people group. There's a true grieving going on, and on top of that, then the, and then there's other things happening, right, which kind of muddy the waters and they kind of take away from the message. Um, but I think it's important as believers for us to, to realize that and to not discount the, the main issue because we don't see it. Um, I love the fact that. Uh, 
Um, so I, I don't know if you guys saw this earlier in the month, but um, J.D. Greer, he's the president of the South Baptist um, denomination. He came out in a, in a, uh, in, in a talk, and I'm just going to read what he said here. He says, uh, we know that many in our country, particularly our brothers and sisters of color right now, are hurting. Southern Baptists, we need to say it clearly, as a gospel issue, Black Lives Matter. Of course, Black Lives Matter, our black brothers and sisters are made in the image of God. And he goes out to say, and then he, he goes on to say, you know, um, you know, I, while he say Black Lives Matter, they don't support the organization that was founded in 2013 and all those values that they oppose, that they're not, he's not condoning the Black Lives Matter organization, but he, he says, we need to stand and say, yes, it matters, right? And it's, it's just so, um, you know, and that, you know, he says in there himself that that denomination has a history um, that they need to deal with. And, um, but what all that to say is that I believe that our response as believers, um, it, it, we have to be careful not to be calloused and not to be um, just reflecting the, the opinions of the culture, um, whether they're, and, and when I say the opinions of the culture, I don't just mean like what the media says and what Facebook people says, but the culture around you, like your family, your neighbors, your friends, like everything, like are, are we just like a soundboard for what we hear and, and now we're putting that out or are we really taking that to heart and let it, letting the word of the Lord examine us and, and putting into action what it says when it says, be slow to speak. And, you know, in this, uh, in this training that we went through, was implicit bias. He talks about, um, you know, what it's like to live as a as a um, black American in a predominantly white culture. Um, and no, I don't know, I I don't know myself what that's like. Um, but I I do know I can tell you what it's like to live as a um, blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy growing up in Mexico. So I, my parents were missionaries in Mexico when I was five until I was twelve. I live there, um, and I know, I, I can tell you what it feels like to always feel different. It doesn't matter where I go, I always stand out, I'm always different, um, I never quite fit in, right? Even if I had good friends, it always goes back to that I, I'm this American. And here's the thing, when you talk about biases and implicit biases, the, um, the, the Mexicans, predominant, or not everyone, right? When I say, I'm not stereotyping everybody, but the... the the bias that people have towards Americans is when I would walk in someone, they would automatically assume that I was rich, that I was arrogant, and that I was materialistic, right? Those are kind of like the views that the Mexican culture had with Americans, and right? And there's a lot of maybe truth to that, and there's not truth, but it had nothing to do with me. You, know, you guys understand that? So wherever I walked, um, I always carried... So like I, when I would go into, and I didn't even know I was doing this, but now as I reflect, I can see how that affected me. But as a kid, I would go and I would have to, um, you know, they, they're, they're assuming that I'm arrogant. So I would have to spend extra time to show them that I'm not arrogant. Like I would, I would spend, I would have to really make it clear that I'm not rich. Like, oh no, you don't understand. I'm not, I, I'm not rich, right? Um, you know, when we go on mission trips down to Mexico, we take groups since I was in high school and college and in the church that we've been doing trips. Every time I go down there, I have this because I know that people view it, especially the view is this way. And I know that a lot of the groups coming down, they don't, they don't know that people have this view. And so I'm even on higher alert, like, let's not, please don't, let's not, let's not give them any reason to believe that we're materialistic or that we are arrogant or that we know it all, right? And so those are the things, whenever I walk in somewhere in the Mexican culture, I have to like my personal brand is this, right? Now, that's not the worst thing in the world for someone to think that you're rich, right? Like, oh, that's poor me. They, they think that you're rich. Well, but it is, you guys get it, how I have to spend all this time convincing them that I'm not that person. So now the question is, what are the assumptions and biases that this culture has against a young black man? And you just, just think on that for a second. And in this training, it went into it deeper, and we don't have to go into it now, but um, my purpose in this is for you to understand, let's try to just understand a little bit about when, when someone comes into a group and they're different, and there's biases, especially when you talk about young black men, 
And there, there's, there's views that people have about them um, that they have to then spend time convincing people that they're not. Um, and, and again, I don't know exactly what that's like, but I do know what it's like to be, a, we drive out in Mexico, um, I don't know how many times they can tell you we got stopped by the police um, trying to get money from us because they saw that we were Americans. Now, put that the other way, if I'm an African-American man driving in a white neighborhood, that happens too, right? It just happens, right? And whether, you know, I, I'm not here to, to push any political agenda, but I just want you to, to understand, like, can we at least get to the place of understanding how things are different for people that are different than us, right? Um, we're going to keep, keep moving on because I'm going to run out of time here. But when it says about celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve, it, it's a call for us to, to um, really get into understanding where people are at, right? It says, live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. Just try to be everyone's friend, right? Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness, for your surpassing generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward you, will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. And you know, I love this, this picture of, you know, if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Um, and, you know, if you picture right now, maybe uh, picture a person in your life who you just, maybe you read their post and you didn't like it or just made you angry or someone said this or whatever, like you're mad at them. And now picture like the Lord's telling you, why don't you go buy them lunch? And what does that mean? Sit down, buy them lunch and have a conversation where you're trying to understand them. Now, Many of us probably aren't going to do that. It doesn't really work in the social media aspect, but maybe it's our neighbor or maybe it's someone else that we don't get along with. Now, what, what, the, so the, the, the word of the Lord the, is calling us to not take on the, the opinions of the culture and instead to take on the position of love, of understanding. And, and then everything that we do should be with that in mind. And now I'm not just, we don't need to even take this with, uh, it's not just a white black issue. It's not even just a racial issue. It's not even like a, you know, there, there's, you could go into like Asian culture or Hispanic culture or white culture um, and socioeconomic group like white trash or, or you could go into, um, you know, the top executives in Newport Beach and what people think about them. And there's any people group that we uh, that are different than us, we have, it's built in, it's wired in t for us to try to like, to, to separate them from our, anyone that's different than us. Uh, and you can go into the psychology of it. There is this, there is this uh, drive, maybe it's a result of, the, of sin in our life, but it's to, to anyone that's different than us, we're going to um, try to, to separate them and, and keep them separate. And even what happened, there's this thing called confirmational bias, right? Where now we, 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 we gather information and we just use it to support a belief that we already have. So if we have this belief about XYZ race, then we see something like, oh yeah, see, that's why, because they're all, they're all like this, or this always happens like this, or it, the, the Republicans always do this, the Democrats always do this. Like there, there's all these things that we can, we can take, and especially people, especially in this culture, in this time period where everyone's locked up and looking on their cell phones and their posts and their Twitter accounts and their their news feeds and everything, these headlines, you, it's so easy to take that information and either get angry about it or have it be a confirmation of the bias you already have. And it starts building, we start building this case that is not founded on scripture. We start building a case for why it's okay that we believe or we act the way we do or 
or because um, because of, of what's going on, but it's not built on the foundation of the gospel. And, and I believe that it's important for us to do that. You know what's in- interesting in this whole study that they did um, on implicit bias and everything um, is that the, 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 the groups that get the most, how would say, it, have the most bias against them, um, it actually has nothing to do with race. It's, in, it's not African-Americans, it's not Hispanic, not Asian, not white. Um, it's overweight people and the elderly. Isn't that interesting? That across the board, um, people have biases about overweight people and the elderly. And, it, it's, and it's so interesting. Um, you know, there's this one, I, you know, I can get, I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to studies and stuff, but um, they did this one study. I'll just kind of show you how, how prevalent it is, is that they had a group of people come in, group A. They're, they're watching they this photo of, of someone that's applying for a job, and they would just, by looking at the photo, they just say, like, you know, how, how likely they, they rate them on, you know, if they would hire them or not. And then they, they go out, group B comes in, the same exact person. Actually, so the first one, there's two people. There's like a, two people sitting next to each other. They're evaluating, you know, the person on the left here. Um, the next group comes in, two people still evaluating the same person on the left, same exact person, but the person on the right now is an overweight person, whereas the other one was a regular weight person, right? So nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is that the person next to them is overweight. And by far, that group rated that person lower. Isn't that interesting? That just because they had, I, I don't know, they had a bias against that they didn't even process it. I guarantee those people didn't say like, oh, well, they're sitting next to an overweight person, so I'm going to rate them lower. They didn't think that. It was just implicit. It was in them. Something about that made that person seem less, um, less valuable for that job. And all that to say is that we have to continually um, examine our hearts and see if, if the way that we're moving, the way we're responding, the way that we are moving in this charged culture is, one, it's maybe just implicit in us and, and it's in there, we don't know, but then there's also a spiritual aspect where there's our real spirits of division that are, that are coming against us. There's a spirit of racism. There's a spirit of a political division. And, and we have to not grab on to those false spirits, but to grab on to the gospel. Um, and so I, we just got a, like a, a few more minutes here. And it would be wrong for me to stop in, in verse 12 here because 13 then just goes into something that not a lot of us in America would like to read. But here, first, uh, chapter 13, every person must submit to and support the authorities over him. For there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences. For civil authorities don't intimidate those who are doing good, but those who are doing evil. So do what is right, and you'll never need to fear those in authority. They will commend you for your good citizenship. Those in authority are God's servants for the good of society. But if you break the law, you have reason to be alarmed, for they are God's agents of punishment to bring criminals to justice. Why do you think they carry weapons? <laughs> you are compelled to obey them, not just to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with a clean conscience. This is also the reason you pay your taxes, for governmental authorities are God's officials who oversee these things. So it is your duty to pay all the taxes and fees that they require, and to respect those who are worthy of respect, honoring them accordingly. Don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another. Here it goes again. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. For the... For the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and every other commandment can be summed up in these words. Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. Love makes it impossible to harm another, so fulfill all so love fulfills all that the law requires. And man, that verse, if it doesn't speak to to if it doesn't rile you up right now, then I don't know what will. <laughs> Um, you know, in, in, my, in my lifetime, there has never been a time where the government has imposed so much restriction on me. 
right? Um, and in this call to to submit to the the authority, right? And and I understand, you know, we could this this verse can be misused, and it, it historically has been abused to um, to squelch like revolt against authority that is clearly moving against kingdom principles, right? And and that's not what the heart of this is at all. Um, it's not talking about like you know one of the you know, th this sentiment of like, just follow authority because it's instituted by God has led uh, just places down dark paths. Like Nazi Germany was, there was a, a church that stood by and, and let Nazi Germany do what it did because part of the sentiment is like, hey, well, this is the, the authority instituted, right? Um, and I'm not minimizing that. That's the only reason, but that, that sentiment was in there. And so I'm not, you know, we could spend a whole nother day, day discussing what this really means, but there is, I think you would have to agree that there is a level of a call for us as believers to submit. Now, submit means to arrange under, to subordinate, to submit one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice. And what, what I believe this is calling is calling all of us to, to respect the order that the Lord, that, that is in this place and that, that God does have it says here that God is, um, how should I say it? He's for um, structured order in life, right? He, he is, there's this issue of authority and that we should always be, if we find ourselves in a place saying like, I don't, there's no authority, no one's going to tell me what to do. That is a reflection of the opinion of our culture. That, that the, the opinion that no one can tell me what to do, I'm not going to listen to anyone, I'm my own person, while that can be true to an extent when we read through scripture there's actually well actually he calls us to submit to to the word of the lord he calls us to submit to the the rulers right here in, over us he calls us to be in submission i think it's healthy to be in submission to a spiritual leader i think it's it's healthy to be in submission to other leaders that can guide you and direct you right um and so you know i've been restricted um by here, here's what's what's happened when you think about the history. So I've been res, uh, restricted by being asked to put on a mask to help the community at large from a viral threat. I've been stated to stay at home, isolate um, from people so that I don't spread disease, and I complain about it, right? It's but if you look at it, but not only that, but then my government has told me that they're also going to give me money so I can pay my expenses. And I mean, what a totalitarian state we live in, right? Like when you look at the <laughs> as much as it imposes, if you look at the, the thing, like when Paul wrote this, like, you know, look at the Romans and where they were at. Well, Paul, no, there's no way he meant the governor of California. I mean, I mean, when he talks about authority, he couldn't have meant the governor of California at that time. Surely the, you know, the emperor of Rome was a lot more merciful and in line with, you know, the scripture and, and what God was doing. Like, like he's writing this to the Romans, people. Like, there, there's something if we there's something here that I think we're missing, and and you know I haven't spent this time that I can fully break this apart for you and and but I I encourage you to dive into this and see what is the Lord speaking to you about this, um, that there is a um, there is something good about coming under submission to the government authorities even if they're not Christian. Does that make sense? I think that our witness as believers is to, is to um, show love, show respect, show honor to those, and value others above ourselves. And this is where it gets tricky because if, if I feel like my rights are being imposed upon, like that's, that's an American issue and I can bring that up and I can you know, protest or talk to my you know, legislature or whatever and that's totally fine. That's an American issue culture, government, the government's giving me the, the right to have objections and all that, right? Do you guys understand that? But that's not my Christian gospel right. Because the, the word of the Lord said that if someone, if someone, if my rights have been violated necessarily, like, and I'm not talking about abuse, I'm not talking about all this stuff, but I'm, if, if I feel like, well, I have a right too, and I don't want to be imposed on, we have to look at, is that the opinion of the culture or is that what Christ is seeing right here in this verse? Or is that, is that loving one another? Is that, is that honoring someone else above myself? And, and it's easy to preach it and say it. It's really hard to live it. 
I'm not saying that I or other people are perfect in it, but I, I believe that our heart should always be in tune with trying to love one another. Um, and so I, I would, what I would pray is that the church would be the voice of unity in this time. That would be a, a voice of solutions. That would be a voice of peace. Um, and instead of a voice that is reflecting what the culture is saying about the current situation. You know what? To, in reality, like none, none of us know what's going on, especially now, you know, the COVID-19, there's a, you know, states are spiking. They're like, well, is it really happening? Is it, you know, no one knows what's going on. And, and what I would just encourage you and me is, is to, um, to, to not get caught up in trying to, to solve it or trying to, um, to convince people of your belief that you got just because you read some article that now you're trying to convince people on it, but just try to take a step back and try to understand what people are at, where they're at, where they're coming from, and see if we can first understand them. Um, and if we don't get to, you know, put our, our two cents in, then maybe that's not such a bad thing in this time. You know, um, I would, I would, I would hate for, for it to be looked back on me, like, no, we don't know where this thing is going. Um, I would hate to be looked like five years from now, like, oh man, like that one guy, he was like really opposed to all this thing and, and, and um, just acted in a way that wasn't in line with honoring people and respecting people. Um, and and there, there's this one other thing I wanted to say. I was listening to this teaching by Chris Valentin. Um, it's really good teaching, but he's talking about Nehemiah and rebuilding the walls there. Um, but uh, this one thing that he said, that what, which I realized, I didn't realize until he said it, that's true. But he says a lot of a lot of us as as believers, especially in relation to this COVID nineteen thing, we have this. Our only defense is like it's gonna go away. It's gonna pass. Like oh, it's just gonna go. It's just gonna. Don't worry about it. Don't fear. It's just gonna go away. And and realizing that while while that is our prayer, that is our hope. I think there's a time where we need to. Um, we need to be able to be willing to step into the problem. And even if I don't think it's like, I don't personally, I don't think, I don't feel threatened by it. I don't think it's an issue. I think there's been a lot of, you know, whatever my opinion is, it's not important. Right. Um, but, uh, but my call is to then, okay, but I'm, I want to understand why does that person feel the way they do about that? And then once I understand, like truly understand why they believe it, I'm going to interact with them a little differently. You guys understand that, and so I, I believe that that's something that that is uh, that is just an, important for us to to go after. You know, I my whole point in this, um, and I just want to wrap it up this way. You can, if you want to play some music or something, there, David. We can kind of wrap. It. I just want to lead us into a little time of prayer here. Back at verse 9, it says, Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Verse 2, it says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So, Father, I just pray that we would be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit right now. that there would be a total reformation of how we think right now, Jesus. Lord, I pray that the sword of the Spirit, which is your word, Lord, would just come and cut away any lies that have attached to the gospel, to your true word, Jesus. Lord, would your word come and just cut away the spirit of racism that might have come in Lord, would you come and cut away a spirit of, of political division that would come in, Jesus. That you would block them from our hearts, Jesus. You'd block them from the church, Jesus. Lord, we just command the spirit of division to stop. You have no authority. You have no authority in my heart, in my mind. You have no authority in this church. Lord, I pray that your word this morning would just come in and, 
I just feel like that there's this, some of us need just a needle to pop this, this, this bubble, this balloon that's been growing inside of us, being full of hot air in a bad way, right? So this balloon's been coming and we need the word of the Lord to come and pierce it. And there's a heaviness that you've been carrying. There's a heaviness that comes with, with, with uh, coming under agreement with the spirit of division right now. There's a heaviness that comes with it. And I pray it's be gone in Jesus' name, be broken in Jesus' name. That you fall out of agreement with the lie of the spirit of division right now. The lie that it all depends on you and your opinions. And we just submit to the word of the Lord. We submit to you, Jesus. Lord, would your word examine our hearts this morning? Would your Holy Spirit convict us? It's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. And so I pray right now, Lord, if there's any evil way in me, in my heart, in our hearts, that you would reveal it to us, Lord, not so that we feel bad about it, but so we can get rid of it, Jesus. So we can get rid of the things that are preventing us from reflecting the Father to the world. So that we can reflect the Father's love So we just want to take authority over lies, over even over depression and fear and anxiety right now. That the, the word of the Lord would come in and you'd, you would cut away some lies that have come in. You know, part of, part of uh, not taking on the opinions of the culture, it doesn't just have to do with racism or po political division, but it also has to do with fear. has to do with worry. So you read Matthew 6, just read through about looking for the Lord to be your provider in this season. I just want to leave with this, another verse from James. It says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so, Father, I pray that this morning that you would just strip away any pride that we have on, on who we believe that we are or how right we believe that we are about a certain situation or stance, Lord. And that we, we would, uh, I don't want to be found in pride and find that you're opposing me, Jesus, because you said you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And I pray that, that I would be able to humble myself and that the, your grace would be pushing me forward instead of my pride block, being blocked by you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we just come, we humble ourselves before you. We ask that you would come and heal this land. We ask that you would come and, and heal the hearts of people right now. We pray for unity in Huntington Beach. We pray for unity in Orange County. I pray for the saturated OC, Lord, that there'd be a unity in the churches like it's never been seen before that you would unify the body of believers right now, Jesus. Yeah. We just come against any spirit of religion or division that could be in here. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.